0: course, this is all tied to Congress and spending. So every year, they appropriate a certain amount of dollars towards the program. We've run out here and there, but they, they always give us more. It's just maybe there's a gap of a couple of days and that, that hasn't happened in many years. And the reason it's not too much of a big deal is because this is one of the few, first of all, a few programs in Washington that's actually working and also has bipartisan support. The following podcast is brought to you by Thrive, Manage, run, and grow your business all from one dashboard using one login. Small business runs better on Thrive.
1: Hey, hey, this is Gordon Henry at Winning on Main Street. And this week we're talking money, loans, and grants for small businesses. Our guest is an expert on getting money, and especially money from the SBA for your small business. His name is Ray Drew. Welcome, Ray. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. So Ray, uh, we're going to do a quick uh, bio uh, and then we'll get into our discussion. Ray Drew is a managing SBA business development officer at a company called FundX Solutions Group. He's dedicated his career to helping small business owners navigate SBA borrowing. His job is to structure a customized loan solution that meets the needs of the business and guide the entrepreneur through the business. Prior Prior to joining FundX, Ray spent six years helping a startup SBA 7A lender grow to one of the top SBA lenders in the country. Ray likes to say he eats, sleeps, and breathes SBA lending. What should you or listeners get out of this episode? If you're looking to build and grow a business, you may benefit from an SBA loan. Ray can help you answer the questions of if and how you should get an SBA loan. So let's get into it. Um, Ray, first, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your
0: background and how you got here. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I fell into it right out of college. I graduated in 2011. And if I could take you back for a second, that was a pretty rough time in the economy, particularly for small businesses and like access to capital was rough. I mean, I, I worked for an SBA lender at the time I was 22. I was, so I was like kind of getting my feet wet here. And I, people would send in packages uh, of their financials in the mail, sometimes still at this point, And uh, they'd be trying to buy a building for their business, right? They were renting, they're tired of renting, they want to buy the building. SBA loan is one of the financing options to do that. And I just kept seeing all these tax returns that were not profitable. So I was telling a lot of people, no, because you have to be profitable to, to qualify for these loans, right? So in my other half of the job, I was just cold calling real estate brokers, trying to get a book of business built. And that's kind of how I fell into it. It's been 12 years now. And I've been through now this whole kind of economic cycle from that beginning to kind of like this tail end of it. So it's been pretty interesting. And, and today I'm working for Fundex Solutions as a business development officer, uh, managing a team as well as doing my own production. And um, this is a much different time than back then, I can tell you that. So it seems like you're pretty passionate
1: about SBA loans. Why, why should small business owners be excited about this
0: area of lending? Well, I mean, just to give you a, an idea, the SBA 7A program, it's that's the SBA's flagship program. So it's been around for decades. Um, by the way, when, when people were talking about SBA loans 10 years ago, they weren't saying the nicest things about it sometimes. Too much paperwork takes too long. The industry has gotten a lot better. The SBA is streamlined a lot. And now people are, are, are they love it, honestly. And I don't know if maybe PPP has anything to do with it because the SBA came in and really stepped up to get a lot of dollars out into the hands of small business owners during all those shutdowns. But uh, the tune is completely different now. And it's about 50,000, over 50,000 a year, SBA loans. Maybe it's 60,000 now, but it's about $25 billion a year. So that's all going to small business owners Um, average loan is, I think around 500,000 this fiscal year. Mm. And, uh, people are using this for all sorts of things to buy a business, to start their business, to grow their business. And it's with terms that you just can't find anywhere in the market. So there's some advantages to it.
1: Okay. So what are the risks in taking out an SBA 7A loan, you know, for the entrepreneur?
0: There's like two or three things that people don't like about it right and i and i tell people right up front because um it's not for everyone the people the reason people do like it is because it provides longer terms like i just got off a call with someone this morning and they have all these other debts that they've been using to grow their business and the terms are short the rates are high the sba i'm gonna come in as an sba lender and clean up their balance sheet restructure it and bring their monthly payments from 135 thousand. A month down to fifty thousand a month. This is a big mm. business. So I mean, you chop the you chop it in half. So those are the types of terms that you can get. People like that. People like that. You can buy businesses and real estate with lower equity requirements, right? Conventional, you need to put a lot more cash into the deal. SBA's lower, if not maybe sometimes nothing. Um, but there's some downsides to it too. Like um for a while, people didn't like the adjustable interest rate, which. Honestly, you know, if you got an SBA loan two plus years ago, like there was a span of time where there was 0% interest rates for many years. And if you got an adjustable rate SBA loan over the past two years, your rates like probably doubled. So that's not good, right? That's a problem with with, uh, these loans being tied to Wall Street Journal Prime. And not all of them are adjustable, but most of them are. And most of them were. And um those folks are having to deal with a higher payment now. Okay. Now, today people coming to get an SBA loan, they're they're requesting an adjustable rate loan because they feel like we're kind of towards the top and they want to be able to benefit from the slide down. But that's one thing. And you know, no one has a crystal ball. And I'm not going to get into where rates are going to go because nobody knows. But um the other thing is, and this goes back to risk, right? Anyone who owns 20% or more of the business, so if you own your business and a 20% ownership stake or more, you have to personally guarantee the loan and pledge all available collateral. Mm. So these folks are all in.
1: Okay. And that's not the case on other types of loans. You don't have to
0: pledge like their house. The personal guarantee part, typically for a small business is a pretty standard requirement. But the pledging of the real estate is not a standard requirement elsewhere in the market, and the SBA stance essentially is, look, we're going to give you, you know, million dollars, let's say, um, whatever we're financing, you know, we'll take that as collateral. But often this is just growth capital, or it could be good buying goodwill, buying a business, and so there's not a lot of hard collateral. So the SBA says before we put the taxpayer dollars on the line let's just make sure you, as the business owner, put all your collateral in. And then once you put all your collateral in or the loan is fully secured, whichever comes first, then we'll stop. And if that means we're still unsecured as a lender by X amount of dollars, that's fine. The lender can still make that loan, but we have to be able to check that box that the business owners put all their collateral in. And essentially that's just real estate that has 25% or more equity in it. So if you have a house or a rental property, that you own, that has that 25% or more equity, then that equity gets pledged towards the loan. And that happens in the form of the SBA lender putting a lien on that property.
1: Yeah. We heard during COVID PPP loans being forgiven, um, but that's not the case here, right?
0: Uh, These loans are not forgiven. Yeah. That's an important distinction. Yeah. Because for many years, I was operating under the assumption that um, you had to pay me back. And uh, mm-hmm. during PPP, that wasn't the case, but that was kind of like a, an isolated thing. These loans, yeah. you fully pay back. The only thing the SBA is doing right now to help is with regards to fee waivers. Mm-hmm. So so the nice thing about these loans is that the fees are what pays for the program. So actually, in most years, taxpayers don't pay anything. It's mm-hmm. a zero subsidy program. But um, these fees on some of the smaller loans are getting waived and reduced so right now um and this is just starting october one of this this fiscal year and it's going to go through the end of this fiscal year so 12 months um there's going to be no sba fee on loans up to a million and the sba fee from one to two million will be cut in half and two million and up which goes up to five million uh there's no changes so that's some pretty decent fee relief that's like 26 grand on a million dollar loan um which you know it helps um yeah, I'd say so. So tell us a little
1: bit about your employer Fundex Solutions. Who are they, and how exactly do you and Fundex uh, make money administering these loans?
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a little bit unique. You know, when you think go get an SBA loan, you probably think of go to your bank or your mm-hmm. credit union. And there's there's about fifteen hundred of those who have made at least one SBA loan this past year. But there's also fourteen non bank lender licenses that are out there and we operate under one of those 14 licenses which means we're just directly regulated by the SBA and licensed to make SBA loans so we are it's the same as a bank we lend money you pay us back plus interest and um the only difference is we're a non-bank lender um, we're owned by a larger non-bank institution and we operate as their SBA kind of arm um, Fundex has about 42 ish employees all around the country and all of us just eat, sleep and breathe SBA loans from top down. It's all we do.
1: Got it. Uh, what are some of the differences between buying existing business and starting a business from scratch from your perspective?
0: Yeah. And, you know, I listened to your last your last episode at the time we're recording this and it was it was about profitability and starting businesses and things like that. And, um, you know, with the starting of the businesses, the odds aren't in your favor just statistically speaking okay and i so i you know so i finance a lot of business acquisitions and you know lately the last three years it's just been taking off i think the idea is really getting out there and then there's this also there's this wave of uh, baby boomers retiring i think it's like 10 or eleven thousand a year um and a lot of them own businesses and what we're seeing is that their children who are typically millennials uh they have maybe minimal interest in taking over the family business uh these are often blue collar manufacturing businesses trades things like that so these businesses are are being sold into the open market they're perfectly good profitable businesses and it's estimated that like uh i think the number seven trillion dollars worth of these businesses have, has to sell this decade so mm-hmm. what we're what we're seeing right now is the largest transfer of wealth the country's ever seen and people are are you know, sitting in corporate America or in different walks of life saying, you know, I want to work for myself. I don't want to work from, you know, someone else anymore. And I want to start building my own my own wealth, my money. And um, if you buy an existing business, you kind of cut through that startup phase and you acquire an established, existing profitable business that's cash flowing right out of the gate, bypassing a lot of that risk from the startup. And the SBA 7A loan is the primary way to do that.
1: Okay. So just to be clear, a SBA 7A loan can be used to buy a business, but can it not
0: be used to launch or you know, start a business? There's a lot more access for business acquisitions. Business acquisitions is off the charts right now. Myself, it's eighty percent of what I'm doing on a daily basis. Um, there's a lot of lenders doing it now. Startups, we kind of look at as from the lending side, kind of in two buckets. There's like uh, franchises that are established franchises, like you know Orange Theory Fitness, Dunkin' Donuts, things like that. There's a lot of access for those types of startups. When you get into an independent startup. It's a lot tougher. It is possible for sure. um, But the pool of lenders that will entertain those types of loan requests is smaller and the requirements will be a little bit stricter. Got it. Yep. Makes sense. Um, What does it
1: take to qualify for the SBA loan? Like if somebody is listening to this and thinking, okay, I'm interested, you know, just walk us through the process
0: yeah, so you start with kind of like what what the loan's going to be used for. So let's say it's a business acquisition. Um, the business acquisition, a lot of the underwritings on the business itself that's being acquired. um, so we're gonna look at three years of tax returns from the seller uh, as well as the current year-to-date financials and just make sure that the cash flow that's being generated by the business can support the debt. That's the kind of the crux of it all. It's called debt service coverage. Then on the buyer side, I look for three things you know, good credit, you know, you you do need to have a, a track record of paying your bills on time, right? That's one. Um, two is cash, or some sort of assets. I mean, you you don't need to be rich or wealthy by any means to do this. I mean, I did a loan for someone last year who was a receptionist at the hair salon, put herself through beauty school, became a stylist, started managing the business, and was a stylist. And then bought the business. So she worked her way up from receptionist to CEO, essentially of a salon. You know, so you don't have to be uh, rich, but you need to have your financial house in order. Some money to put into the deal, plus have a little bit of post close, you know, cushion a rainy day fund left over. So that's cash. And then three is experience, and that's really the most important thing, right? You don't need um, experience in that particular industry all the time. You don't need business ownership experience, but you do need some sort of relevant management experience or transferable skills. So for example, if you're in corporate America, managing a team with five direct reports, that's helpful. You have managing skills, you have PL maybe responsibilities or budgetary responsibilities. Those are all types of things that are going to translate over. But most of all, you got to be able to see yourself in the business that you're buying. You know, this is not a passive investment. This is you... As the operator of the business and and, and it's all going to fall on you. So you got to kind of find something that really suits your skill set. Got it. Um,
1: and I assume if, if someone were a passive investor, like let's say somebody who might be listening is thinking, hey, I'm interested in buying or uh, uh, one of those orange theory fitness, you said, um, but I don't want to run the business. I want to have, I want to hire somebody to run the business. You would be looking for the person who's hiring, who's running the business, um, in the employ of this buyer, to have the skills you mentioned, right?
0: Well, it's a well, it's a it's an interesting point you bring up because passive is a bad word in the SBA space. So SBA won't finance or SBA won't allow us to finance anything where it's passive. Hmm. So there's always got to be some level of involvement and control to the person we're lending to. Okay. You can still have a GM in place. But at the end of the day, you're still in charge, you're involved, you have you have control over the finances, who's hired, who's fired. That's gonna all have to fall on you. If if you are more of someone who wants to be totally passive, you probably, you know, maybe you want to consider investing in some of these transactions. If you are under a 20% owner, you don't have to be personally involved in the loan. And you can do those types of investments like I do um, here and there. Uh, on types of transactions, because these are good investments, right? You're, people are buying these businesses for three to four times roughly the earnings. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you looked at the stock market lately? People are <laughs> investing in companies based off multiples off revenue on companies that aren't even profitable.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, and what's the size of the SBA loan program overall? What's a, what's What's the total dollar amount and who's paying for the loans?
0: the size of the loans per business like the five million dollar cap
1: yeah and and you had also talked i guess in the beginning about the overall size of the program how how, how much money is available for for loans
0: oh yeah so uh you know it is it's funny because it's a it's a government program uh but the government doesn't lend the money um just like with ppp right you go to your bank the SBA is an insurance policy for the bank. So if the loan gets defaulted, the SBA is going to cut the lender a check for 75% of the loss. Um, we just kind of uh, kicked the can down the road on a government shutdown 45 days. Um, so uh, at the time we're recording this. And so what that would have had impact to the SBA because we can't get SBA approvals when the government shut down. So every year. So of course this is all tied to Congress and spending. So every year they appropriate a certain amount of dollars towards the program. We've run out here and there, but they, they always give us more. It's just, maybe there's a gap of a couple days and that, that hasn't happened in many years. And the reason it's not too much of a big deal is because this is one of the few, first of all, few programs in Washington that's actually working and also has bipartisan support. So um we're not it's rare that we'll run out of funds uh and that it won't get replenished so but that said historically um it's been about a 25 billion dollar a year program for the past handful of years there was one year where it spiked that was the year when sba was giving away free money Hmm. um but other than that it's been pretty stable and uh and then i think it will probably be growing here because as the conventional markets continue to tighten the sba is there to kind of fill in the gaps. Yeah, I I did want to ask you along those lines, what are some of the other
1: ways you recommend small businesses access funds to build and grow their business besides SBA
0: loans? Well, the SBA loan, the whole point of it is it's to provide access to capital and historically was for businesses that couldn't get it elsewhere on reasonable terms. And back in the day, even before I was doing it, you'd have to provide that decline letter from your bank because we only want to SBA, you know, they only wanted to do loans where you needed them. Now it's a little different. Um, You don't need to do anything like that nowadays. You can just go get your SBA loan. And, um, but that said, in some cases, it is a stepping stone financing product, depending on what you're trying to do. Like, for example, if you're buying a building for your um, business, there's three really primary options when you go to your bank. Um, There's the SBA 7A, which is what we've been talking about. There's the SBA 504, which is a niche SBA program that's a little different, but it's for real estate specifically. And there's conventional. The big difference between the three of those is uh, you know, if you come to me to, to finance your building with a 7A, I could do that. You probably don't need to put any money into it. I'll just kind of use the equity you've built up in your business on your balance sheet and kind of just say, yeah, all right, there's equity there. Most of these are then getting financed. These are mostly for growing businesses that really wanna hang on to their capital and reinvest it into their business. So we're gonna preserve their capital with the 7A. 504, you need 10% down typically. So you're gonna get a nice low fixed interest rate on this one, but you're gonna have to put in 10%. On conventional, you're putting in probably 20%, right? And then you're gonna get a low fixed interest rate. So it's like, what's best for you? If you if, If you don't need to preserve your capital, you have this money, it's not doing anything here. Putting it into one of those other programs might be a better fit, as well as maybe using the 7A to then refinance in three, five, seven years and graduate into conventional. That's on the real estate side. On a lot of other types of lending, because there's a lack of hard assets involved, like a business acquisition, SBA is the only game in town on these business acquisitions for one to six million ish dollars for uh, enterprise value because you know, aside from the seller financing it and buyer's cash, you know, who else is going to finance, you know, a, a business acquisition for $3 million with no collateral.
1: Right. Are there any catches that we haven't talked about that people should know about? Um, I mean, I, they come to Fundex, they meet Ray Drew, they fill out the forms, uh, they've got a legitimate request, they, they're they looking to buy, let's say, uh, a, a franchise or something like that. Um, that th- they have a good track record of uh, managing people maybe um, what what don't what, what what haven't we said that they should know about
0: okay yeah so there's actually a lot of really important points um, people every day I talk to folks they always ask me about the process and the timeline right it's Literally, all we care about is you know, am I approved, and when can we close? That's like what it comes down to most of the time. And with the SBA process, it's not that simple. So there are landmines. It depends if it's a business acquisition. We I like to say the deal's going to die at least once before it closes. <laughs> and and these are you know two, two you know sixty day to ninety day types of timeframes when you go to buy a. A business, you know, on real estate, maybe you can do a 60 day type of close. It's a little more simple, but you still need due diligence, like environmental and appraisal. So these things take time and there's a lot that can happen. So my, my blanket advice is just to work with someone who's an expert. There's, you know, a hundred, 150 lenders that I would deem experts. They are going to work every day to do SBA loans. That's only the top 10%. The other bottom 90 that you, you know, I said 1,500, the other bottom 90% are doing onesies and twosies. If you only do 10 of these a year or less, you just don't have it figured out quite yet. And I would, I would personally, I wouldn't want to go be someone's guinea pig while they try to go figure out SBA lending.
1: Okay. Good, good advice there. Uh, Ray, we're going to take a very quick break, 30 seconds. Uh, Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more from Ray Drew. This episode of Winning on Main Street is brought
0: to you by Thrive, the small business management platform that you and your customers will love. No matter where you are, Thrive helps you run your business, keep organized, and get paid faster, all from one login and dashboard. Thrive makes it easy for customers to find you online, instantly interact, and stay engaged. And with free unlimited support 24-7, there really is no comparison. Go to thrive.com slash pod for a quick demo to see everything Thrive can do.
1: And we're back with Ray Drew, hearing all about uh, SBA loans. Fascinating topic, really, uh, that many people I think don't know about. So it's really useful for people who may be thinking about growing or buying a business uh, to learn about the opportunities with SBA 7 eight loans uh, that we've been discussing. So, Ray... We always hear about small business failures, uh, you know, 50% in the first couple of years, 75% or more in five years. Does the SBA loan program in some way aim to reduce the failure rate?
0: I don't think it aims to reduce the failure rate. I think it exists to provide access to capital as well as it's a job creation program at its heart. So the SBA's actual goals are to do those things and And then beyond that, they're really focused on the smaller dollar loans and minority loans, veteran loans and things like that. Um, So that's what their focus is. Now, the banks and lenders, they're interested in making money and getting paid back um, and and servicing their clients. So that said, the SBA default rates are public information in the 7A portfolio. It's been, you know, it's been under 2% for about a decade. Um, you know, one point two percent. You know, it's very small numbers. Back during the '08 kind of crash timeframe, that mm-hmm. spiked to double digits. I think like ten percent or something like that. Um, but you know, you can kind of track that. So the number one reason uh, businesses close is because they run out of money, right? Um, so having access to capital probably does help businesses be more successful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Who would you say is your typical borrower? I'm just, can you create a sort of profile uh, it, it, but a young, old, a uh, lot of previous experience running a business coming from corporate America, ready to run, a, you know, do their own thing? Well, who, who, who are your clients?
0: Yeah. They, well, there's a few different profiles, but one, my favorite profile uh, is, which we do a lot of is a manager of a business buying the business. So sellers, obviously owners, they've been around for 20 years building their business. They have to retire at some point. And oftentimes they have an employee in their business who is like their number two, been there since day one or been there 10 years, whatever. And I've done so many of these. I've done them for daycares. I've done them for um, fabrication companies, you name it. And the big problem with the person who's in that position, the GM or or whatever, they they've been a W two employee and they and they don't, might not have two hundred three hundred thousand dollars laying around to put into it. So we have ways to structure that. That's actually pretty cool. And and because of the SBA's recent changes, it makes it even more possible. Um, this year they implemented sweeping changes to the program that no one's ever seen before, or like in decades, and it's been crazy. But one of the big benefits to come out of it is essentially that the seller can provide your down payment for you. now buying a business with no money down sounds like a scam, but so so you can do it but the banks have to be able to approve it. So we are going to use it fairly selectively. That's one scenario where we will absolutely use it. My colleague just posted on LinkedIn about one that just got approved yesterday or just closed yesterday. business owners buying the bill the business. 10 percent down from seller 90 percent financing by SBA they are the best ones to take it over we love doing those that's that's one side of the the you know the client profile the other side is folks that are exiting corporate America they're 25 to 45 um they're usually male um although you know we we would love to see more women entrepreneurs by buy these businesses but I'm just giving you the profile and they, have been in sort of middle management. They could have been at a consulting firm. They might've been coming from private equity, maybe investment banking or, an, you know, you name it, but they want to get off the merry-go-round and go buy their own business and build something meaningful for the, their family. And, and so they're looking at these uh, business acquisitions as a way to do that. Uh, and that's, I talk to those people every day.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Really interesting space you're in. What's next for you, Ray? I, I I love to know on a personal level when we talk to a expert in the field, uh, where they're headed. What's 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 your next steps as a as a uh, person who uh, who knows so much about this?
0: Well, um, I am to the point now where a lot of my passion is in. I just feel so lucky to be able to get to do this. I mean, it really has been the best job ever. Like. You know, I've been working from home since before working from home was cool. Uh, you know, you get to, you, you get to earn upside. It's a commission-based role. You also get, a, you know, you get also the comfort of being a W-2 employee and all like that. But mo- most importantly, you get to help these businesses every day. And every day is different. You know, one day I'm looking at a landscaping business, trying to consolidate debt. The next day I'm looking for someone looking to acquire their competitor and double their business. And it's all fascinating. And it's, and it's like, I have the knowledge that they need to make this happen and putting in the 10,000 hours, you get to a certain point where it's like, okay, I have these superpowers. I want to go help people. And but beyond that, like, again, I, you know, I never thought I'd be doing this, but I feel really lucky to be doing it. And so now my passion is helping other people get into this type of role. So I have a team of three other business development officers, one starting uh, in a couple of weeks here, and then one brought in from another department to kind of create a junior business development officer. So I'm teaching him the playbook on how to go and do this. And I have a podcast also for my industry. Um, so your your you know uh, listeners probably will think it's boring, but in my industry, it's the number one podcast. It's just a really niche industry. Um, And I give away all my secrets on that podcast. I interview other, you know, big names in our industry on that podcast. And and that's the stuff I just love doing today.
1: Okay, that's awesome. Well, my last question, uh, very relevant to your comment is, uh, number one, what's your podcast name? What's the name of your podcast? And number two, how should people listening who want to talk to you about maybe buying a business, taking out an SBA 7A loan, how should they connect with you?
0: Yeah, sure. So I would say that if you really want to go check out content, uh, if you type in SBA Ray on YouTube, you'll see some really good content specifically for the small business owner who is trying to put it, put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get in touch with me, you can email me at rdrew at com.
1: Okay. And the podcast is called SBA Ray Two or uh, uh, the
0: pot so I have two podcasts. The, the my main one I've been doing for four years for the SBA lenders is the art of SBA lending. And then I created a second podcast about a year ago. I did 12 episodes and then I had a baby. And then I got busy because I got, you know, when you have YouTube and two podcasts and your day job and managing, it's like, you know, something's gotta give. So I put that one on ice for a little bit, but it's called Story Loans. And if you go check out some of those first episodes, it's, I think it's re- some of the coolest content because you, I'm interviewing small business owners who've been through the SBA process to acquire a business, and that's exactly where my customers come to me day one. In that, you know, they're those folks I interviewed are where they want to be. So hearing it from from them firsthand is always fun.
1: Oh, fantastic! Well, I want to thank you uh, for coming on the show, Ray. This has been a great discussion. I think really of great use, as you said, to entrepreneurs who may be or future entrepreneurs who are thinking about maybe buying or growing a business. So thanks so much for joining us.
0: I had a blast. Thanks.
1: And uh, I want to thank our producer, Tim Alima, and coordinators Diet Barnett and Daniel Huddleston. And if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please tell your colleagues, friends, and family to subscribe, and please leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us in the rankings. Small business runs better on Thrive. Get a free demo at Thrive.com slash pod. And check out our new free product, Command Center at Thrive.com. Until next time, make it a great week.